Welcome to the GamesIndustry.biz podcast. I am your substitute host, Brendan Sinclair, and this week I am joined by... Marie D'Alessandri. Jeffrey Russo. Danielle Partis. And uh, Chris Drain. All right, so uh, this week we are going to be talking about Epic v. Apple, Sony charging companies to enable crossplay, and E3, which the calendar informs me is just a month away. Uh, I'm not ready right. for that. No. <laughs> no. No, that's not right at all. It is, it is like, what is it, April, May of 2020? This is... Yeah. <laughs> I can't process this. So let's start with um, Epic v. Apple, which is, yeah, totally easy to, to process, right? Um, to recap anyone who hasn't been paying attention, uh, last year, Epic got tired of paying the 30% cut to Apple on, on all purchases made on the iOS version of Fortnite. So they set up their own uh, payment processing system in the game and gave people a like a 20% discount for using it. Uh, Apple didn't like that, yanked it from the store, and now we've got lawsuits. So uh, there, there's more detail to it than that. We'll, we'll get into some of that later. But um, just from having seen what's gone on for the last week, the first uh, of a few weeks of this trial, uh, let, let's do a straw poll. Um, who's, who's right here? Ooh, uh... That's quite the question. Um, Epic, but in the worst way possible. <laughs> Maybe. Shots fired. We'll put everyone on the spot. We'll start with the order of the introductions. Uh, no. So, Marie. <laughs> <laughs> that is extremely unfair. Uh, I would like James to come back on the podcast now. Um, I'm not sure I like this new host. Uh, and I can't, there, no one is right. I have very little empathy for two billionaires fighting each other on stuff like that. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> There's that. Okay. Um, so, Marie's but, answer is burn it all down, apparently. Yeah, I'm very much so. That's very much my brand, to be honest. But it never, it's, it's so complicated. It is so, I mean, I don't know. I didn't expect to be on the spot. <laughs> I just, all, <laughs> I just part find it. I just find it all reason, very. Go for it. Sorry. Part of the reason that I that I wanted to to put everyone on the spot is because I honestly didn't know what any of you would say, where you would where you would come down on this. So b- because it's not an issue that I look at and think like, oh well, there's you know there's clearly a, a right side and a wrong side here. So I'm um, I'm I'm very curious uh, if if anyone here then is is actually kind of settled on who's in the right here um i i i i've always i don't 30 percent thing isn't it doesn't bother me too much i tell tell you what i tell you what i mean obviously i'm not a developer so it wouldn't but the 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 thing that um interests me excites me the most is that when epic launched their store um steam suddenly became really active and the stuff that Steam have done in the last year as a store, in terms of its festivals and the events it's put on and the promotions and the activities it's gone, it feels like they've really stepped up because they've had a competitor come in. And that's the feeling. That's why I view it as. They've had a competitor come in who's doing loads of stuff. It's not about the price. Steam have gone, right, we need to make sure we are the best at this. We are the best place for people to buy games and we're the best place for people to sell games. And even if we are more expensive than the competitor, people will still want to come to us. I really like competition because yeah, the thing is, we often talk about these digital retailers as if they're as if because in, in physical, we have distribution and we have retail. The people that sell the games aren't usually the people that actually distributes the content. That's often a center soft in the UK or, uh, or, or I've got the name of the US one. That's going to really embarrass me. Um, but the um, uh, uh, in the digital, it's the same thing. Nintendo distribute the games and they sell them. Uh, Apple do it. Um, it's, it's more nuanced in PC, but the and I think I really think Epic's right in that having competition, having other ways to be able to buy the content is is good. I think that's 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 and not just not because of the pricing, but because we talk about the discoverability challenges in digital. We talk about all the things and the reason why there's so many challenges in digital retailing because there's only really a handful of people's digital retailing. I, I want to be able to go into game 
in the UK or GameStop in the US with my card, buy a game from game and it be dig digitally downloaded to my console at home because my Nintendo Store account is linked to it because the Nintendo Store is actually just the, dis the distributor of the content rather than just being the retailer. They can retail it as well. And, um, and that's the reason why I think Epic's in the right, because not because of um, any um, conversations around monopolies or sort of control over the stores, simply because I think it would make the games industry better uh, at selling its content um, if we can have a bit more competition uh, on these platforms. And not just, by the way, not just Apple's, but I know we sort of say everyone's arguing that Xbox and PlayStation are different because they're consoles, and I don't disagree with that argument, but I'd love to see the ability to buy those games via other retailers as well, and other and just, just so we can... It raises the quality bar. Um, but yeah. It's not, I didn't I, answer I, the 30% thing. But. <laughs> I, I, I do think uh, what you mentioned, though, about Steam stepping up its game in the face of competition, um, I, I, I do think that when you have a situation like... Um, like Apple with the, the iPhone and iOS or like Steam with, with PC game sales where one company has such a tremendous um, hold on the market. I, I think competition is good and it shouldn't require a company committed to losing hundreds of millions of dollars year over year <laughs> over year to, to even like carve out the slightest foothold in that market. And uh, I think that's that's generally a bad thing. Um, and, and that's why, uh, and the mobile front, I, I think Apple is uh, influential enough and large enough and commands enough of a chunk of the market that I, I, I do think that if you look at what they're doing, that the antitrust um, protections are being violated by them so I, I i guess in this instance i would also come down on the side of epic but i i would do it with like reservations about how sweeping any kind of uh ruling on this would be applied to the rest of the industry i don't think the consoles have as large a hold on on any market in gaming unless you want to define it as just the console market and I'm not entirely sure how how a ruling in the Epic Apple case gets uh, structured in Epic's favor in such a way as to protect uh, or, or leave alone what uh, Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo have going in the console space. And if you, you know, upend the table in the console space, I don't I don't necessarily know what what the the fallout from that is and what what the console space winds up looking like so uh i'm i'm, I'm sorry to uh, have put marie on the spot <laughs> and um and now i'm gonna put jeffrey and danielle on the spot uh jeffrey where 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 are you falling on this we're here because um fortnite which is already making all this money wasn't able to keep making as much as it was. And then Epic was like, okay, well, how can we put it in position to generate more revenue? So obviously it's everywhere. And it came on Apple App Store, but they also had, um, you know, the ability where you can buy content and you can directly give them revenue. But, you know, Apple was like, hey, that's not a thing that we do. And then it was removed from the store. Obviously they didn't like that. So it, it just comes around to the fact that you're not making as much revenue. And regarding the 30% thing, I myself am not a developer, so I'm not privy to what the conversations are regarding that. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's like, <laughs> I don't know. It, 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 it's, and then you have conversations, what is in the game? What is the game? It, it, it's very um, weird in the sense that we're here on the off chance that there might be some grandiose point that's going to be made. I don't know what that is yet. I'm just here for the ride. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Danielle? Yeah, I think I'm basically in the same camp as Marie and Jeffrey in that 
I'm struggling to care about these two behemoths <laughs> yeah, the- just going at each other. Um, I'm so glad I'm not alone in this. But I think the interesting stuff that's come from it is how Epic uh, is just inadvertently throwing so many other companies under the bus a little bit. Um, with like the stuff that came out um, about Sony's crossplay compensation, uh, and while it wasn't particularly newsworthy, the thing about um, Xbox consoles not making a profit, which isn't unusual, but to to see it written down was interesting. Um, and I think Epic kind of have a point, but they're just undermining the the point that they have with throwing their weight behind so many other different things that kind of renders it a little bit pointless and nobody wants to listen to them because of the way they're conducting that opinion. I don't know. It's, yeah, as a, yeah. As a PR campaign, um, because Project Liberty, uh, as, as I <laughs> called it, like part of it was to, you know, like really position themselves as the good guy and get, uh, get public pressure on Apple to, to change their policies. As a PR campaign at this point, though, is it, is it fair to say that that Epic, uh, their efforts have sort of backfired? Um, I don't know if it has in terms of the industry, like with it amongst... Because the thing is, it's like, I don't care about Epic's. Epic, Epic's super rich and it's only getting richer. And I don't, I don't think anyone really cares about that. It's more the repercussions this will have on everyone else. And, and right. if, if, and, and... I don't think there's any game developer you can turn to and say, hey, do you want... I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but uh, I, I think there'll be a lot of game mobile game developers that were quite excited by the prospect of being able to, to sell direct to their consumers um, or, or to have other means of distributing their content that doesn't rely on one store and one editorial team putting that game at the front of the store. You know, maybe there's other stores that could promote other games and push other content. Um, I think that's good for the industry if that happens. Um and that's, that's anything I've really been thinking about. I'm not, I, I'm not really worried about Tim Sweeney's bank account. Um, I don't think anyone uh, would be. But I, I, do think, I do think the potential benefit is, is quite high. I do think, though, it does ask difficult questions about digital retail going forward. Because right now it's fine because there's lots of places you can buy content from. But as years go by and more and more things become downloaded and the number of stores dwindle and become smaller and smaller and smaller, we are ending up asking ourselves, you know, is it right that these ga- these these stores have this basically iron grip control over the games industry? And we talk about you mentioned earlier, Brendan, about how it shouldn't take a competition. It, sh- it shouldn't take hundreds of millions of pounds for 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 these companies to have to step up and compete with them. Um, uh, yeah, you're right. Um, but we've got into that situation almost because we sort of allowed those digital retailers for a long time to sort of go unchallenged. Um, uh, occasionally, someone will come along. With a, with a direct to drive or something like that, and they, they'll struggle to make revenue out of it. Um, and now we've got to the point where you almost have to clip the wings <clears throat> uh, in order to uh, enable competition. Um, I'm sure there was a point hidden in that, uh, but, um, but I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I say I'm not really bothered about Epic. Um, you know, the, the, the thing, it's more sorry. than everyone else. Okay, come on. No, I just want to say I think like to answer a bit what you were saying as well, Brendan, about like whether or not it was backfiring um i mean i don't know if backfire really is the term uh, or not um i don't know what the term is because i don't have the word right now whatever um but what i would say though is i am a bit annoyed about how epic wants to paint itself as this knight in shining armor that is single-handedly uh, fighting the big bad apple and is saying quotes such as epic wants to reach customers lost inside apple's walled garden and i'm like And I'm like, it's just, it's a bit too much. And the thing is, like, Epic is far from the only company trying to uh, fight Apple's cut. Like, Spotify has been at a war, in a war, at a war, in a war with Epic, with Apple. God, oh my God, this sentence is a wreck now. Spotify, (laughs) (laughs) Spotify has been at war with Apple for a long time. I think that made sense Um, for the exact same reason. And Spotify is not alone as well. I can't remember who else is in the same type of um, disputes, Uh, but... I, it's just slightly frustrating that Epic, Epic is is like presenting itself in a way um, that it's leading a potential change where if this change 
happens, it's not going to be thanks to Epic Games and only Epic Games. There's like it's a battle that a lot of developers across a lot of different industries have been fighting for a long time. Um, so I think that's also why I struggled to like pick sides and caring much about this is like yeah everything I just said I guess. But you <laughs> sorry this was a bit of a wreck. But yeah I don't know the 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 yeah. the, the, the quotes coming out from 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 the Epic side are a bit. Like they make me laugh, really. It's yeah, a bit too much. There's, there's been a lot of um, absurdity in in the public statements, especially statements under oath that uh, have been made during this this epic Apple suit. Um, but you you were talking uh, about the um, amount of, but when talking about the amount of control that Apple exercises over over mobile gaming in particular i there was one part of the the suit this week where uh they they focused on itch.io the independent gaming storefront that epic added to its epic game store as an app uh basically and and they practically admitted this at trial like basically they added this as a prop specifically for the trial to show that the world doesn't end when you allow a storefront within your storefront and don't take a cut of the the revenues. Um, but at the, at the same time, like listening to Apple's legal counsel talk about itch.io during the trial and and the unspeakable uh, games that it allows on there. And, and if, and if you go on there, like there might be crude and crass games, but it's, it's, it's a fairly open indie friendly platform with a lot of content from marginalized communities. Um, a, a lot of queer games. And the thing is like, if you look at Apple and the way that they have treated games for the entirety of the certainly the entirety of the app store's existence is they really don't think very highly of them and they they don't think that they should take on you know significant issues they they think they should just be entertaining uh not necessarily thought-provoking not contentious you know it, it, it's a really limited view of what video games can be and it bothers me uh to think of of what the industry loses and the medium loses when you have a a company like that with with such a such an influence and lock on on the content that is available to people that is completely willing to just take something like itch.io and throw it out into, you know, the waste bin because like, oh, well, there's some sexually explicit content on there or something. And that, I mean, I mean, that exchange alone maybe um, is, is sort of like the, the most convincing thing for me as, as far as why I'm, I'm, sort of leaning toward uh in in epic win in in this in this case well it reminds me actually brendan of that that when we spoke about that uh uh 10 years ago piece that you did um around gdc and about how the industry was rallying you know was very concerned and angry with with these new free-to-play games and all that kind of stuff um facebook gaming was a thing and 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 by you know that's ios and um, app stores an extension of that and that's the thing that's the reason why i talk about it being a pr i, th- I think it might be you know epic epic is actually a b2b company i know its biggest revenue generator is, is a consumer product but it is core it's a business it's a business to business um company it supports indie developers it works with studios of all shapes and sizes um it's a games company and um and and that's why I think perhaps it's not been I think amongst certain industry people it's a positive that, that, that it's coming across they're coming across perhaps all right um, because um, of what you know 
Apple's always been has always been a bit of the bad guy in the games industry. Um, and and that we and will I guess never that's... forgive them for the Pippin. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it just it, it it sort of it just sort of makes it feels like that. Um, I guess for you know Apple's never really felt like it's a part of the games industry, despite it being a massive part of the games industry. Um, and uh, uh, and so um, maybe that comes down to the fact that you know <clears throat> uh, uh, Steve Jobs never liked games and stuff like that. But it, it's did you not? I Is think that that's a- what. I th- I think that's an. I might, I might be I might be saying this completely wrong, but I always thought I felt. I believe he's completely dismissive of them. Whereas you know, Apple make TV shows now and movies, and they and they and they they're so big in music, and they run their own radio stations and stuff. And whereas in games, it feels more like a, a <clears throat> well, feels more like a business to them rather than a than a calling. But I mean, that's. I mean, we're talking about billion dollar companies. It's compared. There's a there's a quote from this week with uh, Apple marketing director Tristan Kosminka explaining to Epic's lawyer why Apple doesn't consider Roblox a game um, because they're being questioned about uh, certain policies that allow for for Roblox's marketing or sorry Roblox's monetization model um, and the quote is Roblox is an app in which users create a profile, hang out with their friends, and they can join in these experiences that I would look at as content. And so if you think of a game or app, games are incredibly dynamic. Games have a beginning and end. There are challenges in place. I look at the experiences that are in Roblox similar to the experiences that are in Minecraft. These are maps, these are worlds, and they have boundaries in terms of what they're capable of. So I think while the email suggests that these are games, that's not how we looked at it. And that's why it's compliant with the rules today. And I don't trust any kind of company where an executive can look at uh, Roblox and Minecraft and, and say like, no, those aren't those aren't games, those are experiences. Those are maps. <laughs> like... And, and I'm supposed to trust you to be a steward for for the industry and have this huge voice in it. Like, no, no. Like the funniest thing in that quote for me is that he thinks that using Minecraft is a good example to show why Roblox is not a game. I, I just find it completely ludicrous, really, like as if comparing it with Minecraft was the, the, the thing you needed to show that it, Roblox uh, is not a game. So Minecraft is not like the whole thing is, is ridiculous. It's all I wanted to say, but like it wasn't super interesting. Right. Marie, clearly Minecraft's not a game. No, it obviously has no not. Beginning. It has no end. It is entirely no. middle. Yes. It is it's 100% <laughs> middle. It is just middle, no beginning, no end. I love like, how is that a thing? How do you define a game? Like, <laughs> like the fact there's a beginning and an end. Like, what? Oh, sorry, Jeffrey, go yeah. ahead. <laughs> no, and, and, and the judge said, I don't see your point i think i could be misquoting that <laughs> but i'm pretty sure about that like the judge was like okay but what i wanted to point that the judge proceeding over this is a judge that has a history of seeing cases involving apple so if there's something that that could be said you know uh this is a judge that you know normally sees that kind of thing i don't know you know if that's really important or not but i just wanted to mention the that. judge is familiar with their not yeah essentially yeah <laughs> yeah that because that that quote i i think uh, it was on uh wednesday no that quote was on thursday kosminka's testimony carried over to the next day and then at the very end of kosminka's testimony the judge was like, okay, um, let's circle back to this completely wild thing you said yesterday about Roblox and games. And and, and they got back into it again, which was I I would not have I would not have the patience if I were that judge to wait an entire day <laughs> to ask them like just please, please explain a little bit further. Many, um, many, many years ago when uh, James Batch and I worked at a different place, um, 
James had you, given you, up. You can mention it. I, <laughs> no, it's not allowed. Do not encourage him. <laughs> I, just, I, I just mention MCV in every podcast. I'm just very conscious of it. Um, when James and I worked on MCV many years ago, James um, gave up video games for a month. I don't know why, but he gave up gaming for a month. He decided he needed to give up gaming for a month, except he carried on playing a mobile game. I think it was like Words with Friends or something every single day. And when we found out that he was still playing Words with Friends, we, caught, we, we pointed it out to him and he went, well, that's not a game, that's software. And the whole, this, uh, this whole conversation reminds me of that. It's like, well, no, no, that's not games. It's, it's different. It's, it's, a, it's a different type it's of game. Content. It's content. It's content. content, yes. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Not, so not games, when, when, when is this trial ending? So, <laughs> because... Well, it's been running long, uh, but I, I think they'd planned it for, for this week and next. Uh but you know, maybe we'll maybe we'll go into overtime here. We'll get like four weeks oh, of, no. of tremendous Apple gaming insight under oath. <laughs> oh my god! I'd be interested to hear their views on surprise mechanics. <laughs> One other element of the uh, of the Epic Apple fight, which has been getting attention, is uh, Sony. Oddly enough, because. As Epic was pushing for crossplay in in Fortnite, they emailed uh, Sony quite a bit, and and there was back and forth as they tried to to pressure Sony into you know l- allowing people playing on PS4 to play with with Xbox, PC, and mobile, and they eventually came to an agreement where uh, Epic would be paying Sony for the privilege of of having the Sony players compete with everyone else. And this was, this prompted some interesting reactions uh, across the, the industry. I think a lot, a lot of people sort of rightfully maybe uh, took exception to Sony just kind of putting up this, this barrier in, in the way of cross play when the other platform holders weren't. And, and wondering why they would. But uh, as we found out during the, the lawsuit here, Fortnite revenues came about 40% from the PS4. So this that was surprising to me, just that the platform mix, if you looked at uh, iOS, the App Store, revenues on that were single digits. It was, it was larger than Android, um, but but not tremendously so. Uh, Fortnite really has been a console phenomenon. Uh, and, and Sony, being the, the largest share of that, was very sensitive to the idea that people might be buying V-Bucks on their phone because it's more convenient for them and then spending them in, in the PlayStation Network and Sony not getting any cut of that, even though these games might be played you know, primarily on on Sony's platforms. Uh, this raises sort of a different question uh, and than the, the Apple Epic lawsuit in general. And it's another one where I'm not exactly sure where I'm supposed to come down on this uh, because I think that the the Sony arrangement with Epic seems entirely too complicated for my liking where they're tracking users and it's when a user disproportionately plays on PlayStation, but disproportionately pays on another platform that triggers payments of some sort. And I don't know. I I like things to be simpler than that. And I don't know (laughs) if that kind of solution is scalable across every game that wants to do cross platform play. No, it's not. But it, it's we've spoken about the cross-play stuff before. Um, PlayStation really don't want cross-play because it doesn't. Be- the way they're built, they're built around selling. You know, <clears throat> they're very much built like an old the old console model. They're not built like a services. It's not quite fair. That's quite dismissive. But they do have a services business. But they're still foot is very much in the old way of distributing and selling content. Whereas. Um, Xbox is very much fully embracing the new the, the service based model, and that's how free to play games like Fortnite and those sort of titles move into it. 
and that's what I think I think that's I think that's what I think that what we're seeing is the complication of being one foot in one industry, one foot in an old industry and one foot in another. And I, I'd like to think over time, as cross play becomes more commonplace, and I think this generation is going to become really commonplace, they will have to simplify it. Otherwise, it, it becomes an absolute mess. You know what um, Xbox we did an interview with Xbox last week. Um, and uh, they talked about, you know, uh, Xbox is creating tools to make cross-play even easier, making the whole thing more simplistic because that's important to Xbox's business. It's not so important to PlayStation's business, but I think when it becomes important to developers' business, and it is becoming increasingly so, then Sony's going to have to fall in line and have to come up with a system that enables um, that enables this, that doesn't involve tracking users across different platforms and judging how much they're spending and how much time they're spending and what percentage is the right percentage. That's a mess. Um, and um, and uh, yeah, I, I, but I think, I think it's just one of those things where we're sort of in a transition from one world to the other. And, um, and I think that's what we're probably seeing play out with Sony because they are like, they're the kings. They're the absolute market leader. And if anyone's going to lose out from cross-play, it's probably them. Um, but, um, and which is the reason why they're so reticent. But yeah, you mentioned they've got you mentioned they've got like the most traditional console business and that that's alarming to me almost just because I've spent so long thinking of uh, Nintendo as like the most traditional console maker. Uh, Maybe that's unfair because they've, you know, experimented so much with things like the Wii, but I, I always thought of Nintendo as being behind the pack and, and Sony and Microsoft as being like the forward looking alternative. Um, and, and now it, it almost seems like Sony and Nintendo have, have switched. And, and I'm wondering if that is purely a function of Sony's market dominant position right now, because that historically, if you look back on it, there's, there's kind of the the pattern of the, the the market leader just falling prey to hubris and and protectionism and and that opening the window for for the competitors who are trying new things to to have a generation or two in the lead. Um, but it, no, I it's, think Nintendo are the most traditional console maker. I think they're so traditional. In fact, they don't even realise they're losing money by um, allowing Fortnite <laughs> to be played across. The, that's what I mean. I definitely think they're like we still games are still primarily sold in boxes, and and, and that and their business model is so not in that space. They're a lot more about licensing and that kind of thing. And digital revenue for them is still and re- still quite far behind everyone else. Um, so that's probably why it's less of an issue. Whereas for PlayStation, I suspect it's a huge business for them, and that's why they're protection being protective of it but yeah i agree with what you said otherwise anyone else have uh strong thoughts on sony and crossplay um but my, my final thought after the fact was this was just an example of of something that epic wanted to do that um affected them negatively and they kind of argued behind the scenes until they got their way and nobody heard about it until right now whereas obviously the apple thing didn't go that way and i I just can't really have any sympathy for them having to do that because of the way they handled it again but that was just an additional thought (laughs) yeah uh, the um there was the epic emails to sony one of them was basically like look this thing is happening. Mm. <laughs> it would be better if if you just went along with it right now instead of <laughs> making a whole ugly thing about it. Yeah, yeah. And the um, the the gall, I guess, to try and push around Sony. Like I, I understand Epic's doing pretty well, um, but that that was just the the, the quote that I was just like. There is no scenario where Fortnite doesn't get what it wants or something like that was just yeah. the, the audacity to, to say that to a company like Sony was just wild yeah. to me. Yeah, so I'd, I, I actually, I don't, I don't necessarily mind uh, Apple kind of <laughs> saying like, no, no, we're, we're going to make a thing about, about this Oof. when you try and pull that with us. So. The, dif- the difference with Apple, I think, though, and Sony, Sony were actually losing a PR battle on that front anyway, weren't they? They, they, they you know, Xbox and Nintendo are running adverts promoting their cross-play functionality, and, and um, those people were asking 
uh, PlayStation executives about it E3 and they were coming up with all sorts of answers to try and deflect it. Um, and it was becoming a bit of a negative PR and people were starting to question their old for the gamers mantra on the back of it. And then when the pressure came, and it wasn't just them, there was, you know, Rocket League was doing it, um, uh, which now is now owned by Epic and Minecraft were doing it. And suddenly um, Fortnite was like, right, you know, Sony's weak on this issue already. Let's see if we can push it forward. Whereas I don't think Apple cares <laughs> about the PR um, of, of their of their, as, them as a gaming company. Yeah. But a- Apple could have just cut them uh, uh, Epic a special deal. You know, we'll take 15% instead of 30. And they they refused to do that. Um, under uh, in, in testimony, um, Tim Sweeney w- was asked if you, if you would... If Apple would just take a lower, you know, offer a lower cut specific to Epic and not to everyone else, would you have dropped the issue and not pursued the lawsuit? And Sweeney was like, yeah, we would have. So, I mean, that that also kind of, you know, uh, undermines the whole posturing about this being a matter of principle uh, for, for Epic to pursue this. But... Yeah, it's it's interesting that Apple decided like no, let's let's air the dirty laundry here and risk an antitrust case in court um, over over this because because if they lose this, you know that's I mean there will be appeals and and I guess eventually it would go to the Supreme Court and if they decide to hear it, who knows where the Supreme Court would rule on this either. So it is, uh, <clears throat> yeah, big things. It, it's a big risk. And I, I'm, I'm still surprised Apple didn't just, you know, cut them a deal. just a month away now and uh it is an e3 unlike any other because last year there was no e3 uh we're doing all virtual e3 this year we got microsoft nintendo lined up sony's conspicuously absent uh ea and activision blizzard haven't really been heard from yet but there's gonna be sega namco bandai no Konami. Um, Square Enix is there. It's 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 a hodgepodge. It's it's but it is still E3, and it is still a big deal, isn't it? I'm not sure. I mean, I don't know. I, maybe it's this this whole digital event fatigue thing. Um, but I like barely noticed that E3 was coming is how I look at it because there's been so many individual events and so many digital events in general happening with announcement and stuff like that that E3 is just another name on the list and that's coming from someone really like I really love the idea of E3 I would stay up all night to watch E3 with friends every year and but now it just doesn't like for me it's not even about the lack of big names even though I am sad that there will be no Sony, for instance, just like it, it, it feels like any other event in a way after a year of, of, of digital uh, offerings. Um, so, yeah, I don't know where I'm going let's, with this, let's, but well, well, no, yeah. let's, that's a few things, actually, because you say Sony isn't going to be there. But Sony said they weren't going to be there last year. And it turned out Sony was the that's only true. company to actually put on a show during the week. Do a thing, yeah. Um, and EA is like not there, but I know of one big game EA is revealing in June. So it's, it's this weird thing is what we're actually talking about is companies that haven't given the ESA a load of money. Um, and because um, you might get and they might not be part of the E3 website, but these other companies might still be there. Um, they're just not part of that organization. And the thing is with digital events is because obviously I've run plenty is that it's got to the point now we're actually announcing events months in advance. We announced GI Live um, two months before we ran it. We barely sold any tickets in those first like six weeks. In the last two weeks, we sold all of them. And it was, um, and it's because people don't pay any attention now because it's digital. People just wait until, right, right now, oh, what's the next event? And we'll focus on that. And we actually announced an event last year, the Academy event that we did. We announced it a month before we launched it. 
Um, and it was more than enough time. Um, London Games Festival in the UK was announced. They announced it two weeks before they launched it. They only announced a lineup a week before they launched it. And it's, it's sort of you get into that point where actually announcing digital events long in advance, it doesn't really, I think it, it, what people are discovering, it doesn't really work. So this sort of weird sort of E3 is normally people are booking hotels, people are planning interviews, setting up stuff, you know, checking their times, their schedules, when, when you know, they're all jostling for, uh, uh, there's a big, there's a big thing. You need to organise stuff. You need to book your flights, your hotel rooms, everything in advance. And that's one of the reasons why, physical events are out so much in advance with digital all you have to do is show up on the day it is it, it, you, you might even forget you know it, it's such a different um experience um uh i i'm excited about it well i'm not i will be excited about it um, <laughs> because um i last year although i think it benefited my, my myself or us as a as journalist team we got a lot more access last year than i think we've had in quite a while because e3 isn't trying to cram in loads of interviews into 15 minutes it was spread out over the summer so we got a load of access whereas sort of condensing it all into one means that we probably won't we will we'll get the same access but we, we won't maybe not get as much time um but I, I, I really felt last year was a confusing sort of... I, I never quite understood what people's plans were. I didn't really know what Christmas was going to look like for games until September because everyone was eking out their announcements. Xbox had like three events. Um, and I just kind of feel like doing one big central exciting thing where everyone's watching. And the thing is with E3, a lot of people talk about the console war battles and how toxic it can get sometimes. But I actually always found it quite inclusive because it's the one event where me as a Nintendo fan can watch and get really excited. And my friend who's a massive Xbox fan, I mean, I'm an Xbox fan as well, but my friend's a massive Xbox fan and also get really excited, but for slightly different reasons. And it feels like, it feels like we all come together as, as particularly console fans um, around this single event. And then they all argue with each other and, and they ruin it. But it, it's, I do, I do like E3 and, and, um, and I'm glad they're trying this. I'm glad the announcement's all happening in one place. I don't know if E3 needed to happen for that to happen. Um, but, and, you know, as I say, it's, it's an event, it's, it, as, as an organisation, uh, its relevance and what's needed for is, is not entirely clear. But um, and, and they're trying to work that out. But uh, as a week or two weeks of just, low, I think it's three days actually, of big game announcements, I'm, I'm all, on, all up for that. I think that sounds exciting. It's- so you said yesterday you didn't know what the holiday stuff was going to be until September or so. And I think a lot of that was because with the pandemic, companies didn't know if they were going to have the the things that they planned for the holiday ready in time for the holiday. And we've seen a lot of delays already this year. Uh, do you think that there is, like, are companies still hesitant to actually announce things in June because they're not sure they're going to be able to deliver for Christmas or after a year of remote work, should they probably, you know, have a good idea by now whether or not they can follow through on that? I think the the thing you hit upon is the cyclical nature of games development means that actually, I think a lot of people learn that actually when you're towards the end of a game cycle in terms of development, you can get things over the line maybe a few weeks later maybe a month or two later but you can get there or in the case of cyberpunk you sort of get there barely um <laughs> but the the for 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 people that were a year out from release because of course what they need to do is is in a slight is in a different state it's not just through qa and testing they're going through different processes they're probably still learning we're probably all still learning so actually i don't know the answer i don't know if anyone really knows the answer is the is a company that was you know, Nintendo barely released anything last year. I think it was quite... Um, uh, VGC pointed this out, that in the entire financial year last year, Nintendo only had two games in the top 10 bestsellers that were new releases, and one of them was a Mario collection. And um, and I... I my, you know, there was this, Microsoft in the in the, in the the Epic case thought that Breath of the Wild and Metroid Prime was due. Maybe there was. Um, and, I, and I do wonder if... Because uh, we talk about oh, games getting delayed, but what about the games that were supposed to launch at Christmas last year? Where, where, how far are they? How much have they been delayed by? Are they going to be Christmas this year? Uh, these are the things I don't know. I am. Ex- uh, I don't know if PlayStation clearly expected a big six months for PS Five. I remember when we did an interview with Jim Ryan um, eighteen months ago. He talked about how the first six months of PlayStation was going to be was going to be big hit, big hit after big hit. Uh, he didn't quite say it like that, but. Um, and it, 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 they've had some games out, but it's clearly not as many as they were planning. So 
are they going? I mean, they've already announced their lineup, but are they? What have they got in for for the second half of the year? Nintendo, I don't know what they've got past Zelda in July, and um, they're they're predicting twenty five million console shipments anyway. This financial year, they've got something um, uh, that makes them makes them feel that way. So I think I, I'm I am expecting some stuff. Um, I'm. But, um, yeah. I'm not sure that they're all going to be any more eager to spill the beans in June this year, though. Like, Nintendo waited until... Was it September when they announced the uh, the Mario, Mario 35th anniversary stuff? Yeah. Like, w- I, think, I think we're likely to get a lot more... Hey, we have a game, and it's coming out in three weeks. Uh, drops throughout the year. Rather than the the traditional E three concentrated, here is everything in one week visibility, and and that's kind of the thing. Like if you if you took what all the participating companies have and what people expect from them, and you put their biggest announcements in E three week, virtually three week, then sure, I I think that could still feel like a big important week and a big important E3. But I don't think that's going to happen because I think there's just a lot of uncertainty and reluctance uh, among among the publishers now to commit themselves to something, you know, five months out. Yeah. Well, the bit, the thing that I don't know and what I was trying to say in the previous, well, I was trying to say in the previous response but i didn't i didn't quite say it was that i don't know how many games are actually quite near completion but just haven't been revealed yet or shown yet for though for the very reasons they're not entirely sure how long it will take you know they don't want to announce something and then delay it two weeks later um and i don't know if there's actually uh, maybe i'm being very hopeful that nintendo is magically sitting on five or six big games that are almost complete now because they they weren't ready to announce them because they weren't entirely sure if they'd hit the exact deadline because nintendo actually when they, i don't when i used to review games for for the guardian many years ago um they um they used to send their review copies for games like a month before the game released they were like they, they they're, they're known for getting their games ready well in advance of um of the stuff so i i I'm picking on nintendo as an example i don't i'm not expecting too much from microsoft um uh maybe bethesda um because again, starfield maybe, yeah maybe something from from that side if they if they show starfield that that could be you know one of those those really big things i mean bethesda for the last few years had its own e3 event and and it felt like an e3 event most years right it was like you did not leave that show thinking like oh really they they made us all show up for this lineup Uh." you left the show thinking i can't believe that they really devoted another 15 minutes to like elder scrolls online or commander keen or whatever but every big publisher has their lulls in the in the in the presentation right so you take what what Microsoft has anyways and Halo Infinite and and then you you put Starfield in there and the rest of Bethesda stuff and like that could be a huge a huge event for them and then Nintendo if they come through I I don't I don't know like I could see this being you know some some I could see some really cool stuff being shown at this E3 um Regardless, though, whether or not this E3 feels like a big deal to people, uh, how does that impact E3 2022? Because we'd been we'd been wringing our hands about the health of E3 and the direction of the industry for years before the pandemic, assuming in 2022 that they can actually return to in person. You know, what is what does that show look like? And does this this next month's show help set it up? Or, or heard it or is it just kind of like you get a mulligan because this one's just virtual i don't because it's a new e3 team we often use the word the people that are running e3 now the people that i'm talking to because you know, games in shop is is going to be present at the show um uh the they're completely different to the people we were talking to when we were doing magazines at e3 they're a completely different team they've hired completely you know there's not a single person on these email chains that i recognized from two years ago um and or even three years ago. And I think that's, I think, oh, I think what you might find is a group of people sort of working out what E3 is. So I don't, I don't think so. I think 
I think whatever they do digitally, I think is not going to be. I, I think it's really hard as well because E3 is supposed to be a business show. And I don't think anything that they're talking about here is a business show. It's a marketing show. Um, it, it, it's not um, it's not about it's, it's every, everything that they'll be doing will be for consumers. Whereas E3 is not meant to be for consumers at all. It is 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 from a digital perspective, but from a from a physical on site perspective, it's a business show. And I can't see anything about this event that's business orientated at all. So if anything, maybe it'll help. It, it will accelerate their their switch to the consumer facing model that that they've that, that's they've been toying with for a while. Um, but yeah, as a as a it's interesting because Jeff Keeley, um, Murray's favourite person. Um, <laughs> Uh, is uh, is always talked about how the show needs to be more digital and needs to be digital facing, and I guess they're forced they're forced to do that now, and um, they'll learn a lot. But from my experience of digital events, <laughs> I don't think they're going to learn as much as they, as they as they might hope. But um, I mean, they might learn a lot. They'll probably learn more about what doesn't work than than what does. The thing about E three is that whenever conversations just roll around to, is it still relevant? Um, I personally think that's probably not the right question to ask. Like Chris just meant it, mentioned, is this show, does the show exist in a form that you yourself think is relevant to the industry today, whether it's business, whether it's just marketing? Um, I think that's what it comes down to. And it's still not like any other show, um, whatever form it may take. So I think that's important to keep in mind and to tailor expectations. Um, yeah. Yeah, there's still something something about E3 that makes us still talk about E3 oh. every year, regardless of yeah, whether or not it seems to deserve it. But it is, it, is, it, is, it is the only global show in games I can really think of. Like Gamescom... It's global technically, but it's such Europe, so European. Tokyo Game Show, PAX is a Europe. PAX, I've never even. When we turned out, GI was being acquired by the company that run PAX. I'm like, what is PAX a show? Um, it's this. It's it has no relevance outside. E3 is the only one that really reaches everywhere um, and brings everyone in. It is, and I get it's Christmas. It's gaming Christmas. Mm, yeah. Okay, that's all the time we have for this week. You can find all previous podcasts, including episodes of the Game Developers Playlist and the Five Games of series on your podcasting platform of choice. And as always, you can get more news, insight, and analysis into the world behind video games at gamesindustry.biz. And hopefully uh, James Batchelor will be back next week so you don't have to put up with this again. <laughs> <laughs>